I think it's a very good time now to, and I'm not saying it's easy, I'm really not saying it's easy, but to gather all hope we have to talk about this, talk about it everywhere, make it an issue if it's not an issue yet, talk about money, even if it's a shameful conversation, a problematic one, not out of force and 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 pulling through just for the for the sake of it, but making it an issue in terms of accepting the fact that this must be talked about, it must be dealt with. And even if it's baby steps with your private little group of friends and you have a, a, a conversation about wealth for the first time and it maybe turns out a friend of yours will inherit large sums and doesn't really know what to do, do with them and they can then turn to resource justice, for instance, where they will learn about redistribution of uh, wealth, land and power because all of a sudden people talk about it. This can be so helpful. Welcome, everybody, to Our New World, the podcast trying to inspire collaboration and communication and maybe most importantly, action in all you lovely listeners. So thank you very much for tuning in. The voice you just heard is from Marlene Engelhorn. Marlene is a millionaire and she's also someone who wants to be taxed more, which isn't something that's that familiar to all of us, but it's significant because Marlene is what she terms or refers to as super wealthy and in this episode we talk about what wealth means we talk about uh, a wealth tax and it was i mean it's very much a lesson for me i learned so much during this episode obviously i do a certain amount of research before each guest comes on but ultimately my knowledge of tax is basic now what i learned beforehand um, was a lot of devil's advocate arguments well she does a really wonderful job of dispelling those arguments, but also just explaining how a lot of wealthy people get away with paying less tax. And it's not about demonizing wealthy people, it's about making this an open conversation, it's about saying who has a choice in what they're taxed. And just again, it, it was such an interesting conversation for me. She is really passionate about the topic, she understands it from a personal level. and. Whilst she says she isn't an expert, she's very, very knowledgeable on the issue. So I think this is particularly relevant given the times that we live in, given the cost of living crisis. I really learned a lot and it was a real thought provoker. I think one of the, the main messages being, let's talk about this a bit more. Let's talk about finance, let's talk about tax. Let's make it an open discussion and let's encourage transparency. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. I really did. This was, like I said, a really, really relevant topic to be talking about, and Marlene is wonderful. So let's get into it. Marlene, thank you so much for uh, joining us on Our New World. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. So am I. Um, so I guess, first of all, the, you're involved with these, these organisations, Millionaires for Humanity and Tax Me Now, and this collective idea that the wealthy it should be taxed more. So what's the background behind that um, for you and and how did you connect to the other people who are involved with it? Sorry, just wanted, because Millionaires for Humanity is very, very small and they don't do much, but Patriotic Millionaires UK is much more active and I think if, then they should be mentioned. Oh, okay. So say again, is it, how do I say it? Patrons. All of Patriotic Millionaires, all of them are, crappy name wise that's my personal opinion but yeah there you go 
Okay, so Patriotic Millionaires for Humanity, and they're they're based in the UK. No, 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 no humanity with them. <laughs> okay. No, so there's pa- three. There's Tax Me Now. There's Patriotic Millionaires. They have a US and a UK base. And then you have Millionaires for Humanity. But they're really, really small and kind of not quite active. Tax Me Now is German. And then you have Patriotic Millionaires, especially Patriotic Millionaires UK, who do a fantastic job. Okay. And were you involved in setting all of those up, or were they all no, sort of set just up? Tax okay. Me Now. Okay. And so what's the background behind those? And I mean, I guess with Tax Me Now that you helped set up, but also getting involved in the other ones, what is the background ideas behind that? Um, the background ideas idea behind these organizations is mainly that um, when wealthy people talk about tax justice, especially around wealth taxation, it gets much more media attention. So we have a very privileged access to media, especially to mass and medium broad 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 media spectrum and we will be heard if we say the same things that other thing other people say like people from social movements for instance or from grassroots groups that also work on social justice and we strategically use this privileged access to the media in order to make sure that people know wealth taxation is something that is not talked about enough it's absolutely possible we can afford it by large and we should do this because to reduce inequality is really one of the key um aspects of um, tackling all these crises that we're currently facing. Uh, wealth inequality really is not only harmful in terms of wealth distribution and fairness in general as a political idea and and and, and concept, but it's also harmful to how our economy works and it also is harmful to how our planetary boundaries are met and not met. And to tackle all of these is one of the backgrounds and to use our privileged voices as wealthy people is one of the means that we want to use Albeit we do not want to say how they should be taxed, how they, meaning us, rich people, should be taxed, because that would mean that rich people once again get to decide how their tax should, mm. uh, what it should look like, which frankly is what we have right now. Rich people decide what they want to be, like how they want to be taxed, and that leads to not being taxed. If you ask anyone, how would you like to be taxed? And they will say, no. <laughs> and if they get granted the political power to, to also put this in place, then you have no taxation whatsoever. And then everything crumbles to pieces. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, it's complicated, isn't it? Because actually, I I have obviously done my research before this. I knew a basic amount of about tax. But um, there are lots of devil's advocate arguments. Like, this is not an idea that is totally novel. It's been tried um, by quite a few governments, often unsuccessfully. But I was wondering what you thought it looked like. Or you just said that's not really <clears throat> what you guys are, are aiming to do. But how do you see tax on the wealth working? Because there are lots of loopholes. I think a lot of people, well, a lot of very wealthy people would argue that they pay the majority of the tax, which you know is is true in terms of figures. But in terms of what they actually, is it not? Oh, tell no, me. Okay, because... so I'm here to let this is good. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, those no. are my favorite um, so uh, quote-unquote arguments. They're usually just positions that people take up, like a stand that you take. I take a stand in this conversation. This is my stand. It doesn't work. Um, and that's just bollocks. First of all, you can't mix up income and wealth. This happens all the time. One of the things that is – like wealth doesn't really uh, apply to most people's way of living. The fewest people have actual access to substantial amounts of wealth. I'm not talking about – your small little flat that you own and that you're very happy that you own given the, the way prices explode currently. No, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking major amounts of wealth and the, the kind of wealth where you can create income from wealth. So this really only applies for maybe 1% of the population, roughly, in any, in any given country. 
So you shouldn't mix it up with income. It's a different way of, of um, looking at finance altogether. So that's one thing. So if you pay a lot of income tax, for instance, which you might, in case you're wealthy, usually you, most wealthy people I know will also have like, I don't know, managerial position in any kind of business and they will get a huge amount of income and they will pay good tax on that, but they will not pay tax on their wealth. So just because they pay one doesn't mean that they also pay the other. And income is something everybody knows. Everybody has to pay tax on it. It's very something that everybody immediately has an idea what it means. Whereas wealth is kind of some this idea of what what is it actually like it's not something that is discussed really openly and broadly in a way i find at least and i'm very based in the german discourse so i don't know if this is a broader discourse in the uk and this might be the case but not as far as i'm i know and so what happens is you have all sorts of things so-called arguments that aren't really arguments and they start with one problematic um, idea that it's a it's an economic problem but really it isn't it, it's it's a political problem tax is a political decision that then has to become um, um, written down in, in in legal speech, if you will, so that it becomes a law. It's a law. And that means in a democracy, I mean, you guys have a monarchy, but you yeah, still I mean... are democratic, right? <laughs> so what happens? You have um, you have a law and you can you can be part of how what this law should look like and the the legis tax legislation taxation the, the laws that are written are written by the government like not by the governments they don't they're not sitting down and writing down these like sort of sentence by sentence but in a democracy we can shape these laws and like the way we tax income for instance the modern way of taxing income is maybe 150 years old whereas taxing wealth is the way of taxing it is the oldest form of taxation that we know, and it has always worked. We can't yet now pretend that it doesn't. It it, it does. And if you say it doesn't um, collect enough um, in terms of revenue for the state and for public services, well, then you don't tax high enough. And if you say loopholes, well, then criminalize using loopholes. You don't have to keep them open. You don't have to keep up privilege, especially tax privilege, for wealthy people. The people who can pay their tax get privileged out of paying tax. And this is a political decision primarily. Then it has to be written down in terms of law, and then it becomes an economic problem in terms of that you have to deal with it. And frankly, if you call yourself a super entrepreneur and you're not able to pay your taxes because it brings you into financial difficulties, I would doubt that you're that good at your job. Mm. So at the end of the day, what happens is you don't have to have loopholes. We can close loopholes because those are loopholes in the le in, 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 in law text. And this is something that we can correct and with we i mean democracies democracies invite population to take part in how things are done and how they're shaped and how they're written down and how these rules are made and this also means that if everybody agrees that wealth is, a, is something that must be taxed well then wealthy people don't get to say no we don't want this because we don't ask the same question to people who get income we don't go around and, and ask working class people so how do you like your income tax this is not a question that is ever asked, and it's because it implies when you ask the question that the person that is being asked is allowed to decide. And you only ask this when someone already has power. So the question and how it's asked already tells you that someone is in power. Mm. But wealth shouldn't be a, a, a way of getting to power because we are in a democracy. The only way of getting to, a, to any position of power should be through a mandate. And wealth is not a mandate. Wealth is a problem, especially when it's unequally distributed. And if you want more information that is really, really, really well done, I would highly recommend to look up Gary Stevenson. Gary's Economics is his YouTube channel. 
he's a UK wealth and equality economist, and he really explains how these things work. So, because you've talked a lot about wealth there, but then, okay, so for lay people like myself <clears throat> and people listening, what is wealth then? If you're, because it, presumably, yeah. you know, assets, capital gains, things like that. What? How do you guys, particularly when you're, you know, when you're talking about it, when you're actually campaigning for this to happen, how do you define wealth? How does that become something that can be ingrained in policy simply? Because it sounds like yeah. it's quite a, a broad argument as to what wealth is. Yeah, what is wealth is a very important question. And wealth is something that doesn't come out of a vacuum. It really is. With money, you regulate your access to all sorts of wealth and public services. Um, one form of wealth that everybody is very familiar with is housing. Like in terms of like ground, just land that you can buy and own. Hmm. But wealth is really the ownership of land, the ownership of houses or housing in general. This like, can be private little housing, can be big old um, housing blocks, um, any kind of real estate, really. Yeah. But it can also be ownership of, I don't know, particular resources like, for instance, fossil fuels. Ownership of fossil fuels will be a category of wealth, all sorts of category of assets and the fact that you can have ownership of them. Those that's wealth and wealth is also one of the categories of wealth is very very important and hardly talked about is debt who has the ownership of debt mm. just imagine like a state when a state um indebts itself like um in order to uh to pay for public services for crises for instance what happens is they borrow money but who do they borrow that money from and they borrow it from wealthy people in general like it, it, be it through um, borrowing it from from large hedge fund firms that that um, manage portfolios and who just buy bonds, government bonds, for instance, or be it private people who manage their own private wealth or little family offices. But usually, at the end of the day, at the end of the the, if you follow the money, the red thread of money, you will have a person. Someone will own the debt. So what happens if you have a large, large business and you're very, very wealthy because you have ownership of the business? That means that this money is not necessarily all cash on your account. It is also bound in all sorts of, I don't know, machines that you need in order to produce the good. It's also something that is uh, within the, the company can be in flow, such as like with the revenue that you make, you also pay salary, but you also pay dividend because someone who owns part of this company then gets to have income from the wealth of this company in itself working and people working. People working for you, you as the owner of the contracts of work, this is also a form of wealth. So it's a very abstract concept, but it doesn't come from nothing. It's not empty. And money access, uh, um, regulates your access to it. The more money you have, the more access you get to owning wealth because the amount of money you can spend on ownership will give you super access and super powerful access to wealth in a way where you get to decide what happens with it. And so let's stay with something that is um, easily understandable in terms of housing, for instance. What happens? Let's imagine we're someone who's really, really wealthy, who has like a hundred and million, hundred million quid, and they make a revenue of, let's say, 5% in terms of income on this wealth per year because people pay rent if he, if this person owns housing. Um, uh, people um and debt themselves and then have to pay back with interest. So this interest is also something that comes into the income. You have stocks and shares and bonds and all sorts of things in your portfolio, investing on the in the financial market, and you create income out of your wealth. So you get 5 million because you're very conservative and you're risk averse, you know, mm -hmm. um, because you could make much more if you wanted to, I don't know, um, buy and sell in, in weaponry, for instance. 
And from this 5 million, even if you have a lot of spending to do because your living standards are so super, super high, let's imagine it's a very, very, very high living standard of, I don't know, half a million quid. You still, at the end of the year, get out, and that's without having worked a single minute of your life, um, you get out with four and a half million quid. Mm-hmm. And then if you also work because you fancy yourself a super manager and you want to have income as well, so you get that as well. And so even if you factor income out completely, you have this 100 million and you get your 5 million, you pay 500,000 in order to live and you're stuck with four and a half. What are you going to do? You're going to reinvest this in your wealth. So what is going to happen? You're going to buy more houses, for instance, because you can. And so the same people, because the very, very wealthy are very, very few. So what happens is the same people keep buying and selling each other the same assets over and over and over and over again. This causes so-called high asset inflation, which means nothing else other than housing prices rise. So Mm. what happens when housing prices rise? People who don't come from wealthy background can't compete on the market in order to buy these. What happens? Mortgages, which are a form of debt, will rise. It becomes more expensive. And um, all sorts of rent become more expensive because who pays at the end for it? Because if I buy something and... I had to use a lot of my cash in order to buy it and I want to get it back in. What am I going to do? And also, given the fact that all of the um, the value of this house, for instance, I buy a new house full of flats and the value of this house rises, I will I will then have people pay more rent to me because it's, it's, it's worth more now in the market. Yeah. And they just have to go with the market. But at the same time, I create the market with my little wealthy people community. You know what I mean? Yeah, so there's, yeah, a, there's like self-perpetuating... Um, um, I don't know, momentum that wealth has that it increases automatically because back again to your 5 million minus the 500,000, you have four and a half million. You're going to buy more assets in order to increase your wealth. And that means the year after that, you have 105, no, 104 and a half million quid. And you once more getting more income on that using only your 500,000, maybe a little more because of inflation. And you're going to reinvest. And what happens is there's a spiral of wealth increasing and accumulating with very, very few people. At the same time, it's absolutely no problem to sell again because it's not like there is no need of asset ownership with regular people who like every normal person needs to live someplace. So if they were able to buy their own houses, they would, but they are not able because it's just unaffordable to a normal person. So you could also very easily liquefy that in order to pay your wealth tax. It would mean more housing for other normal people, affordable, ideally, and you will pay your wealth tax and we could use it for public service and infrastructure. I have heard that your NHS really suffers and I'm very, very sorry to hear that. Thank you. But, you know, those are cycles of wealth. Really look up Gary's economics. He um, explains it much better than I do. Actually, I, I learned quite a lot just in that last few minutes, so that's really helpful. Um, but yes, I will share the links and things like that. Um, so you mentioned at the end a, a wealth tax, and actually it's a big problem. And here in the UK, we do talk about it. I live in London, and that's an issue that, again, I don't tons about, but we talk about it a lot, you know, house pricing, where it comes from, um, why it's so expensive. But how do you actually get that into, um, you know, a policy-focused sort of document where it says, okay, this is what we're going to do? Because... Again, I've been, you know, doing my reading before this, and there's been studies by the LSE saying, well, a one-off wealth tax would work. It would it would generate this much revenue. It would um, probably be the most sensible option, and it wouldn't have as much um, as much opposition as if you had 
just a general wealth tax, an annual wealth tax. But you mentioned a wealth tax there. What what does that look like in your eyes as a as something that is constant and annual, a one-off payment? With COVID especially, it, there are lots of people saying one-off payments here and there would, would make a difference, but this is sort of a long-term goal. Yeah, this is a really important question. So I'm not an expert, but I have an opinion on this. So, And I want to make this clear because um, this need, this must be looked up. Like there is papers on this, people that treat this um, extensively. Um, so what I gather and what the position of tax me now in particular is, first of all, if you taxed wealth annually at a rate of 1% for everybody who says, and let's be generous, um, everybody who owns, privately owns, um, more than 1 million net wealth. So this is your threshold. This means 1% for a person with 1 million net worth. This means no debt, no mortgage that you haven't paid, no credit running, nothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then the next pound will be taxed with one penny. Okay. Okay. So it means a person with 1 million and 1,000 pounds will have to pay 10 pounds wealth tax yep. per year. Unless those thousand like reduce 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 and then also the wealth tax will, for this person will reduce until they fall under the limit of one million pound net wealth okay so what it means is al already it's not that much if you consider all these thresholds usually there's always a threshold where you go it doesn't apply for housing that you live in that you actually need no mm. matter how high the the value of the of that house because it's not your fault that the, the, the prices went up in housing. Yeah. So if you need it and if you live in it, already it's excluded. And the next thing, it's there's a net wealth threshold. So that's one part to to, to take into consideration in, in how we could create a law that, that tackles wealth. The next is, once again, if you have revenue on your wealth, and that's usually the case, um, basically you would just reduce that revenue by 1%. Because you would you would just pay it out of your revenue because the revenue you get, you get it in cash. So that means, once again, this person who has 100 million and who gets 5 million a year because they make 5% uh, um, will have to pay 1 million. But someone who has 100 million in terms of net wealth will afford 1 million. Someone who has, um, someone who has I don't know, 10 million gets not 5 million, but 500,000. Yep. And would have to pay a hundred thousand in terms of wealth tax. So imagine you have ten million quid, but then you pretend like you can't pay hundred thousand of your yearly top five hundred thousand. You're still getting richer every year, yeah, just one yeah. percent slower than you would otherwise. I see. Yeah, but you wouldn't know? you call that? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, isn't that a, isn't that a capital gains tax? Isn't that what you pay on investment that you get? So the the percentages that you get from, you know, from your revenue that, that of things that you already own. No, because that only applies when you make a profit. Okay. A wealth tax really looks at everything you own in terms of net wealth. The capital gains yeah. tax really is just interested in what kind of, of revenue you regenerate on the financial market. Okay. Nobody forces you onto the financial market. You can be very wealthy and not on the financial market, for instance, mm. by owning a lot of houses. Just by having the, the ownership of houses, you will not necessarily create capital gains in, in the in the in the normal, let's say, usual way. But yeah. perhaps uh, income through rent, and then you have to say, okay, is this like, I don't know, is this then VAT in England? I don't know. But the thing is, 
usually what happens is when you have access to a huge amount of wealth, you also have access to a lot of financial advisory. Mm -hmm. And they will treat tax as if it were waste. For instance, if you have a business and you have no roads where your lorries can deliver goods, what are you going to do? What If you don't have any... Um, uh, fin uh, what's the um, education sector? How are mm -hmm. your employees going to get educated in order to work for you? As soon as you employ at least one person, it's not a self-made story anymore because you obviously needed someone else to share your workload with. Yeah. You know, all of these things, like to not to factor in how you profit from the system. And then you say, oh, I, I don't want to give back because, you know, just I, I get to decide. So I'm not gonna. This is a kindergarten discussion. We share, period. And the next thing is, there are so many models out there tackling wealth and how it could be taxed, also inheritance and gift and capital gains tax. One more thing. It's like an income, but it's not treated as income in terms of taxation. Why is it not a progressive tax? It makes no sense to me. And I think we need to discuss all of this. I'm not saying that I have the perfect solution. On the contrary, I have to read all the time to keep up with how things work. And I'm just one person. And I don't believe in one person rulership. We've seen where this leads 20th century. <clears throat> Let's not do this again. You know, but there is a way of discussing this, inviting experts, inviting social movements who work on this and who really tackle it from the social justice perspective so that they don't get forgotten. Um, it, it's super important. Like, this can be done. It's not it's not rocket science. We get like we think about sending people to Mars. We allow someone to have this sort of plan, but we don't want to solve the math problem that is a wealth tax. Come yeah. on. We have so I mean, we have such expertise in science and then we can't figure out that wealth tax. Maybe we need more people who figure this out. If that's really something we can't do, which I doubt highly, then then we have different problems entirely, I find. And is that the sort of thing that tax we now focus on is the social welfare side of things who are trying to work on on essentially getting that equation right? Because I know you mentioned, I think on tax we now, it's the uh, sustainable development goals, isn't it? Where a lot of it is to do with inequality and closing that gap. But in terms of the actual work that tax me now does, is that focused on getting people in a room talking about it, trying to trying to work it out? Um. Well, we're a very small initiative as yeah. for now, and we, we work on using our privileged access to the media as wealthy people, because when a wealthy person says, hey, I want to pay my taxes, the media go, well, let's invite you um, yeah. and have a talk show and another and another and another. And at one point you ask yourself, how many times do I have to say the same lines? Yeah, like it's 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 weird, but that's how the media landscape works. And we're, we're very happy to play with the with uh, by the rules. So this is one thing we do. We also try to make sure that people are interested in having and wanting solutions, but that not we give them, but we tell them, look, you can look it up. There's different kinds of models. We don't want to favor one of the models because just because we talk about one, that doesn't mean that there isn't another one that's better or more interesting or maybe um, should also be discussed. So we don't want to have the focus that we get uh, because we're wealthy people then ben, ben, have one taxation model be benefiting from that and another one not. So that would be very unfair to the public discourse because we're part of this public discourse now. Mm -hmm. We're also in um, uh, in cooperation with something they're called Network for Tax Justice in Germany, and they have all the expertise. So we look up models. We have scientists on this. They're economists. They know what how this works. We have uh, people in social movement, Finanzwende, also in Germany, who look at how we can campaign around these things. So it's a cooperative kind of situation. And really, it's about um, talking about this more broadly and inviting other people to join in on the conversation and to to say, and I'm using a German example now because of German numbers yeah, are course, much yeah, fresher yeah. in my head. Germany has 40 different versions of tax. The only taxes where you have significant 
exceptions to rules all the time are the ones that tackle wealth. They're the only exceptions. Everything else, it's a tax you have to pay. Nobody asks you whether you like it or not. It's yeah. just a demand. It's a duty and everybody does it and abides by the law. And it's like, I don't like it, but I agree that it's important. Period. No discussion. It's only with people who are wealthy that we have this discussion. And just from a democratic standpoint, this is already very problematic. If you yeah. want to say, actually, we're a democracy, you know, it's not one vote per euro or per pound or per dollar or per whatever. It's one vote per person. And this should really apply. So democratically speaking, we must tax wealth just in order to recreate political equality. Because when you have huge amounts of wealth, you can invest in the media, buy your own media landscape. Yep. You can influence politics in a very ugly way. Corruption is just one way. And 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 economics and all sorts of things. And this private political power, once again, it goes against the democratic will. And we really want to focus on this part of the discussion. This is a democratic decision that must be taken. We can solve the mathematical problem of it. That's not the problem. The problem is to create this democratic will and get this political will so that that we realize it can't be that in Germany, for instance, a person who smokes a cigarette will pay more tax than a person who's wealthy. If that's the bottom line, that's not possible. Or, the, or mm -hmm. take Austria. From 100 euros from tax, 80 of these 100 tax euros come from work and from um, spending like VAT. And only three come from taxation on wealth. This is not a normal relation. And it shouldn't be that those who have all the wealth get to make all sorts of decisions and don't pay tax, while yeah. those who do pay tax are excluded from decision-making most of the time. Because then again, you have to look at representative, representative democracies. Do they really represent the population? Or rather, like, because that's a problem we have in Austria. We face that's very, it's, it's very problematic because we have one person with a working class background in our parliament, albeit every fourth person in Austria who was working is working class. This is not representation. So the interest of these people will continuously be ignored because there's just not enough representation of this class. But yeah. we need that. We need to talk about this. How do we share power is also tackled by how do we share wealth? And there is absolutely no reason to saying we have wealth. Let's distribute it so as to make sure that the 1% have almost everything and the rest can suffer. Why? Well, I think, sorry, I know you're not asking me, this isn't the answer because I don't have the answer to that question, but it's, it, that is a hugely political, I mean, even philosophical argument, isn't it? It's, uh, it's all about power. And it's something that I know, especially probably felt more and more recently, um, you know, the, the Trump administration, our most recent governments, and it, it there's just a sense that things feel unfair. Um, but what sort of uh, it leads into my next question, really, which is what sort of responses do you get from these people in power? Because, well, it needs no because I mean, it's obvious that it's it would it would take away that certain amount of power there, you know, their lobbying ability, their political influence, all those aspects that that this wealth has got them. What sort of what sort of response do you get from them, but also from, I suppose, everyday people you speak to people who aren't considered super wealthy? Well, I live in a bubble, as most people do, and mm -hmm. the people around me agree with me that wealth must be taxed, that it is something that you can pay. The worst case scenario is that you will slide underneath the threshold that will make you 
someone who has to pay a wealth tax and usually it's so high that you would still be a super wealthy pe person you know so everybody agrees you can pay it it's possible it's it's you, you can work it out and it's important because if i live in a democracy and i think i really must drive this home the, we decided after looking at what um we is now austrian we because you're in the uk and you still have a king we used to have him. He kind of was a very influential in terms of um, how to start World War One, mm -hmm. And we figured maybe not. Maybe not have one person with such a huge amount of power. At the same time, when we kicked out uh, aristocracy, um, we did not redistribute wealth. So what happens is these families still were in, in, in excessive, powerful, excessively powerful positions. And this must be addressed. And this is something where I think we know so much better in terms of how it could be that not designing our society according to our knowledge. And that's something that you can also apply to the climate crisis. We know what we need to do. Yeah. We, it's not that we don't know. Why don't we do it? And it's, it's usually because the same, it's always the same people in positions of power. And usually they're just unable to let go of their power because that would mean that they would start to have to do actual relationship work because that's what politics are. Politics are relationship work on the macros, uh, macro level of things. It's super tedious. It is hard, hard, hard work. You don't always get what you want. This is something that wealthy and privileged people have to get used to. Mm -hmm. Sucks to be you. Like This is what everybody else already is enduring because they know that this means actual political freedom. It comes with political duty. And this means the duty of sharing, even if you don't particularly care for someone, just out of freaking principle. One of the reasons why um, we have, um, I don't know how it's called in English. Let me think for a second. You know, what, uh, before the law, everybody's equal. Equality before the law. Is that what you say? Uh, it sounds right. Yeah. I don't know if it's a term here. Right. But it might be. Like, the idea of equality and equity, if you will, also is something that really must apply. We know how to do it and that we don't do it really just reflects that those who could be doing it don't act. But why? And usually it's because when you give up influence and power in, in terms of decision making power, you also give up that you get what you want the way you want it just because you say it instead of working for it arguing for it which is the key of, of democracies yeah. we call it parliament because you have to talk all the time like it's it's where you have debate like you have to say okay this is an argument and either you're right or you're wrong but it's not oh i want this and my bag of cash is bigger than yours so i'm gonna have it yeah but this is where we're going and i don't think that this is you know I think this is very problematic. And so to address wealth in terms of power is important because it's a it's a core democratic issue that we have and that we face. And it's be it's, it's become worse and worse and worse. And just look at like COVID and 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 now also the with inflation and everything. What happens is you have governments taking up huge amounts of debt, which basically means that they borrow money from very very rich people, have to pay them back, but at the same time the the money that they borrow from those rich people they then use to help companies who would otherwise drown in crisis, which means the rich people who own the companies and also own the debt, you know, yeah, borrow money to governments, collect support for their companies, and then recollect when they pay the debt back. So you get double the money. Mm. And these are the systems that we have. This is that's, that's the flow of wealth. 
Why? There's no reason for this. And it's not to say rich people are bad and like we need to take things from them. No, it's to say we are all in this together. We must share in a way that makes sense for everybody because what uses your money if you have to hold your breath while counting it in a bunker while the outer temperature is burning you to a crisp? I mean, yeah. you know, so just figuring out how to deal with this. One of the ways of doing that is say, okay, wealth is an issue in terms of power. Let's make sure that we create a sphere where this can't happen. This means also reducing it to a certain level and using it in transparent, democratic ways for public service and infrastructure. I'm not saying that it doesn't then need to be maintained well and, and treated uh, properly in terms of transparency. Like We need to know where this money is going. That's also in the interest of everybody. But we have much higher levels of transparency with the state than we do with private people. We don't even know all the stuff that is happening with private wealth. But we well, no. at least we know when public wealth is poorly spent. Yeah, well, that's true. But also, I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds, I'm not saying you're making it sound like a, a bigger issue than it is, but it is just a, a huge issue. And it is the way that society is structured. It's like when I have these conversations around reforming the economic structure of, you know, capitalism isn't working, communism hasn't worked. So where where do we go from here? Um, and Honestly, I I listen to it, and when I do have these conversations with people, it's always slightly doomsday because I always just wonder what gets the most traction with your ideas because you're trying to solve a huge issue around power, around people giving up power, and you're trying to have these conversations with those powerful people. And so I know there are people, like you said, in your bubble who who are, you know, along your similar ideas, but if that power is there, if that power is already in place, how on earth do you come around to to getting people on board? Or is that the million dollar question? No pun intended. No, this is this is um this is perfect because I have good news. Um with Tax Me Now, for instance, we are standing on the side of the majority of people. Mm -hmm. Like it's polled always. It's always polled. How do you think like what we, what's your opinion on in terms of is taxation of wealth a good thing or no? And in Austria and in Germany, year after year after year, you get 68% um, of people who say, yes, wealth must be taxed. You get 70%. Like you get huge amounts of people who perfectly agree with, yes, wealth must be taxed as everything else is taxed. You can't mm -hmm. not tax it. This is to say that there is um, there is a majority of the population, at least in Austria and in Germany, but I, I would I dare say also in the UK, who say, yes, of course, we have to tax everything because everything is taxed. Why not tax wealth? It makes no sense to make an exception where the money is. Mm. So like, oh, where do we get money? Not where the money is, but everywhere else. No. no. So, But what happens is every time we have any kind of major social step in terms of social justice, and I'm taking this very broadly, so it's because of social movement. It's because people go together and they work for it and they demand that the injustice is being corrected. This doesn't mean that you flick a switch and then you go from injustice to justice in, in the spur of a moment. That's not how it happens. It needs to be transitioned and it, it's transformative and it's it's a lot of work that goes into that as well. Mm. But it is not only possible, it has happened before. Look at all the movements we know. Look at the civil rights movement in the US. It's a very good example. I'm not saying that it's comparable to and, and or should be compared to taxation. But it shows that clearly when people say no to being treated in an unjust way, and it wasn't every single one. It wasn't, first of all, it wasn't the idea of people with white privilege. It was the idea of people who were suppressed by black people and people of color who went to the streets and were like, no, we're not, we're not accepting this anymore. 
The same goes for the for the the women's rights movement, for the queer movement, for working class movement. I mean, for instance, that we, okay, Austria now <clears throat> has a different working legislation, but let's say Germany with a forty hour week. This is something that wasn't a gift by those who owned the companies. It was something that working class people fought for. Yeah. And it's the same now. It will not be a gift from the so-called super rich. There's nothing super about a rich person. They're just ex excessively rich, really. But they will not give it away, but it can be demanded by the people. And it, I'm, I'm not saying that it's easy. And I'm also not saying that it's going to be quick, but it's possible. And building social movement and saying no to what's not okay and to demand through pressure, political but public and peaceful pressure, demand that things are done differently, will have things be done differently. And yeah. just look at the, the recent um, developments in the UK. It's actually quite interesting to see that, for instance, Liz Truss, with her ridiculous budget, got busted by the financial markets because mm. they know if you don't back up the way you want to spend and cut taxation on wealthy people, if you don't back this up, this is going to backfire and we're not, we're not vouching for it. It was it was quite interesting actually to see this happen to see that when you're so in this ideology of um, trickle down or something like that that eventually you just will hit a major roadblock and I think it's a very good time now to and I'm not saying it's easy I'm really not saying it's easy but to gather all hope we have to talk about this talk about it everywhere make it an issue if it's not an issue yet talk about money even if it's a shameful conversation a problematic one not out of force and 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 pulling through just for the for the sake of it but making it an issue in terms of accepting the fact that this must be talked about it must be dealt with and even if it's baby steps with your private little group of friends and you have a, a, a conversation about wealth for the first time and it maybe turns out a friend of yours will inherit large sums and doesn't really know what to do, do with them and they can then turn to resource justice for instance where they will learn about redistribution of uh, wealth land and power because all of a sudden people talk about it this can be so helpful and i'm i'm really hopeful that with what's happening now just to look at what happened in davos last year was then may and we had a hunt no last year in Last year in winter, we had 100 plus signatories for our open letter. This year, we had 200 plus signatories of, of millionaires who were like, tax us. Yeah. We, we can afford it. We want to. This will grow and this will grow and this will grow. It's because you can't not see it anymore. Wealth inequality is unsustainable. It creates huge problems. It cre creates problems in terms of the climate crisis because the wealthy people are the ones that fire up our planet. It's not the poor people that cause this crisis. It's the rich people that cause this crisis. This is not to say that you blame, oh, rich people are bad, but no. But the effect of the, just their existence because of the ownership that they have of all this wealth and the way they deal with it in terms of accumulation, 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 this this grinds our gears and this makes this planet burn. Mm. And we, we can there are consequences to when you have harmful, like when you do things that are harmful to people and planet, usually there's consequences. And the way we deal with wealth and ownership, private ownership, is something that must face a consequence. And I think one of the consequences in a society in general, when you want to talk about wealth distribution and power distribution is taxation of wealth. It's just not something that you negotiate in terms of whether or not you're going to do it, but it's something that you talk about in terms of how it's going to be done so that those who don't have anything don't have to pay for everything because that's what happens currently. And the LSE has shown, for instance, that in a study over 50 years in 18 OECD countries, to lower taxation on wealth does neither do anything in terms of trickle down, that's just not happening, and 
it also doesn't help in terms of economic growth. And yeah. the trickle-down effect is really important that it gets busted because people think rich people will spend in such a way that public services and infrastructure will profit from it. But that's not true because they will grow their own wealth. Yeah. They will reinvest it in themselves, not because they're selfish, but because this is the status quo. This is what they will be told by their financial advisory, and they will not necessarily be the ones who say, wait, I can do this differently because nobody tells them that it can be done differently. Mm. And you don't want to be that one stupid wealthy person who doesn't protect and grow their wealth. So this is not to be neglected also. But there's hope. We can do this. We can fix this in terms of a democracy. We can and we will fix this. I'm absolutely positive. I feel like that's a very good uh, place, talking about uh, societal action, to ask the final question that we always ask on this podcast, which is, what's the one thing that you would recommend people, everyday people, anyone, rich people, wealthy people, whoever, what's the one thing you'd recommend people do in order to create positive change for our planet talk to each other i mean seriously if you think you're isolated in this then try in whatever way possible and if it's anonymously through the internet to just join a chat room i don't know what talk to each other ask questions that that ref that um tackle the status quo of things that that are really dismantling the so-called self-evidences. Like, what's the goal of society? Or what should it be? And my favorite one, who gets to decide? And talk about these things in terms of how is it? How could it be? How should it be? And to keep up a very healthy and alive discourse around how things could be already starts creating new reflect re uh, reflection momentum and new self-evidence of, well, in terms of wealth, does a person really have to own hundreds of houses? Why? Just ask, why? Not to blame, but just out of curiosity. And you might find that so, so many people have so many great answers that one of the quotes that I think it's attributed to Winston Churchill, but I'm not sure if that's true, is that the best argument against democracy is a five-minute chat with a person that you meet on the street a random stranger i think it actually is the other way around if you only talk to someone on the street about something for five minutes this is really sh showing that you have a lack of democratic skill but if you sit down with someone and you genuinely open up on on the big questions of society and politics just because why not and go well why do we organize ourselves in a democracy and not in an aristocracy why do people decide this way about things and not that way? Why do we distribute wealth this way? And just ask. And you will find most people have very clear vision of, I just want to have a good and decent life and have my family and friends have a good and decent life and be safe and free and secure and comfortable and not always afraid that the world's going to burn and there's going to be war and there's going to be this and that. I can't afford my house and stuff like that. People usually really just want to live in peace together. This is what I've talked to so many people about this. And this is what comes off it. So a larger conversation, an open one, that's also happy to, to have conflict, but not in order to like just fight over things, but just to hold that some things are difficult is the best proof that democracy is the best way we can we can organize ourselves. And it might not mean that you get everything you want, but it means that you engage and this is a much more sustainable way of saving our planet and we can do it definitely so talk to each other be kind 
Be open about conflict without blame. Talk to each other. Marlene, I think that's a wicked place to end. Oh, thank you so much. This is that's been so interesting. Uh, really, really powerful. Um, I'm sure the listeners will be very stoked. So, thank you.